Welcome back to the Transform Podcast. My name is Jackson Lowry. I'm usually behind the camera, but sadly, Andrew was not able to be here. He's been sick, so it's me and PJ this week. PJ, thanks for being here. Oh, happy to. And uh, we're going to be continuing our conversation. Last week, we tackled Hinduism and uh, how it kind of differs from Christianity. And so this week, we're staying with the Eastern religions, and uh, we're going to be going into Buddhism this time around. And uh, kind of following the same formula as last one, we need to get a little bit of context going. So if you could kind of kick me off with um, some history, that would be awesome, PJ. Yeah, exactly. Buddhism is kind of cool. Um, similar to Christianity, we all have a story, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. But um, Buddhism is probably best introduced by a story. And so when you hear about the Buddha, um, it's usually referring to one specific man. Um, his name was, um, I apologize for pronunciation, Siddhartha uh, Gautama, mm -hmm. and he was born into a royal family in uh, Southeast Asia, and um, according to the legend, his father, who is kind of the prince or king, had gotten a prophecy from this spiritual guru that his son would become this great religious prophet kind of mm -hmm. person, and his father was terrified. He didn't want that because he wanted him to become the next king or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he, he sheltered his son. He kind of kept him indoors. Um, prevented him from kind of seeing the world. And eventually, um, the young boy, um, Siddhartha, uh, gets to go on this journey. I forgot exactly what prompted this journey, but he goes out and he sees a sick man. <clears throat> he sees a, I'm trying to think, an old man, and he sees a corpse. And he, he's kind of for the first time confronted with the suffering of this world. So yeah. aging, illness, and eventually at the most extreme level, death. And it greatly disturbs him. It really, he, he has great compassion on it and it bothers him. And so he realizes he's been sheltered from this and he wants to do something about it. And so on this journey, he sees these monks and they're practicing like this complete deprivation of kind of human enjoyment, trying to be, you know, contentment yeah. kind of. And so he decides he's going to leave the royal palace and become a monk. And so he goes and becomes a monk. Um, and for, I think the, the legend is underneath this kind of Bodhi tree. Um, he is sitting there and he eats nothing but um, just a little bit of food, I think just a little bit of rice, and then whatever falls on his lap. Yeah, he eats seeds and whatever falls on his lap. So you just yeah. imagine like for years you sit there and you basically just eat whatever a tree drops on you. Like just <laughs> yeah. minimalism. So he's starved, he's hungry, and, and he realizes that the problem of suffering isn't fixed because of this kind of extreme life. And he's still hungry, he's still like kind of suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it eventually enlightens him. That's Buddha actually just means the enlightened one. Yeah. Um, enlightens him to the middle path. So it's not about extreme lavishness, but it's also not extreme poverty and deprivation. There's this middle way yeah. kind of embodied by contentment. Um, and so it leads him to kind of what are called the four noble truths. And we're already kind of getting into the kind of major tenets, but that's kind of the basis for how this came about and kind yeah. of how this whole belief system kind of started the founding so we kind of we got to know it yeah, yeah it goes kind of straight into it so um yeah so the kind of what he kind of comes comes up with and teaches and then passes on to others are these four noble truths that there's kind of these four things um that you need to accept and just be okay with and find kind of acceptance in the world um the first one is that life is suffering <laughs> which Whew, not an optimist. Um, no. No. no, that's a that's that's bleak. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's just calling it what it is. Um, but again, you think of like his his experience prompted this. He he goes out. He had lavishness, but then he goes out and he sees suffering in this world, and he realizes you can't escape it. Living life on this earth is suffering. Um, that's just a reality. 
Second noble truth is that that suffering is caused by desire. So he says, basically, if you didn't want a royal palace, you wouldn't be suffering from the fact you don't have one. Um, if you didn't want to have all of the best foods in life, you wouldn't be suffering that you didn't have yeah. it. And so a lot of it is just caused by our own desires. I want these things. I can't have them. And so now I'm suffering due to it. I'm, I realize how much I don't have. So then the third truth um, is that there is an end to it. There is a way out of it. Um, and then it's ultimately by ending desire. So if I stop desiring all these things I can't have, um, then I'm not going to suffer in the same way. And so I can kind of escape this. And then his fourth noble truth is this um, eightfold fold path that leads to it. So what do you do to actually end suffering? What do you do to end desires? But that's kind of the, the general fourth truth. Life is suffering. Yeah. Suffering is caused by these desires. But there is a way out. There's a way to end them. And the way is this path, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, as we're about to kind of dive into... Um, kind of some of the more specifics we yeah. do want to say up front that's really hard to do with Buddhism it's really hard to do with any religion um, you know in, in, in the window of time that we have but um, you know you could go uh, between a church in the west a church in Eastern Orthodox Church a church at a Catholic Church and 90 plus percent of the doctrine that's going to be being taught is the same. Mm -hmm. That is not the case for Buddhism. The, the no. Buddhism that you experience in, uh, you know, urban centers in Japan versus rural areas of Thailand are going to be Massive wildly different. different. Um, like you said, they're going to adhere to the same Four Noble Truths. There's going to be some basic stuff there, but we do want to acknowledge up front that we are painting with a broad brush in our very limited time we have here. Yeah. So with that out <laughs> of the way... Uh, <laughs> I did uh, want to kind of get into, um, we, we have the Four Noble Truths, so, and so Buddhism starts to spread from there. You know, what, mm -hmm. as, as a religious institution, kind of what does Buddhism look like moving forward? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure of the, the exact kind of expansion. It's easier to track in things like Christianity, um, Islam, where you can kind of almost like draw a map of the expansion. Yeah. but. Um, obviously, the Buddha goes around and he starts teaching this. And um, one of the things I'll say up front, we'll talk about a Christian perspective kind of at the end. Um, but as Christians, we believe that the world we live in is the world that God has created. Mm -hmm. that we, we know who, who he is and he's made this world. And what's really unique about Buddhism, as opposed to other faiths, is that Buddhism is, in a lot of ways, just a careful look at the world as it is. Yeah. Let's just look around. I notice something. Everyone seems to be suffering. <laughs> I also know something. When I'm not desiring all these things, I'm not suffering as much. Yeah. And so, in some ways, not that Buddhism is Christianity at all, but some of the aspects of Buddhism are just kind of good observations about the world that God created. Yeah. You know, it almost is, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians are, uh, are familiar with Stoicism. And mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know what Stoicism is, it's a, it's a uh, philosophy that came out of... Um, kind of Rome and Greece, and it was kind of a similar idea to Buddhism where it is yeah. kind of the observance that life is going to be hard and unfair and pretending like it's not is only going to give you more problems. So kind of the baseline of Stoicism is you should accept those things, you should kind of take yeah. them in stride, you should know what kind of your life is about, and you should keep moving forward through the challenges, which is a lot of kind of similar themes in Buddhism. So like you said, there is kind of an aspect of Buddhism that is like very utilitarian almost like it's yeah it's less of it's less of kind of this you know like when we talked about hinduism it's a lot of spirituality in hinduism it's mm -hmm. a lot of high level concepts 
Buddhism does have that, but on uh, on kind of the surface level that we just scratched on, a lot of it is more of kind of a way of operating. Yeah, I, I exactly. I think you're 100% right, which is why I think the spread of Buddhism in some ways is caused by the Buddha teaches these things, and people like look at the li their life and they go, wow, that actually kind of lines up, right? Yeah. Like Again, and as Christians, again, we'll talk about this, but you know, when sin entered the world, we believe a curse was placed on this earth that makes work hard, it makes relationships like suffer. Like, I mean, so there is suffering in this world. That's yeah. what Christians would affirm. And so I think part of the spread is, is because pe people are like, oh yeah, that actually lines up with a lot of what I'm seeing yeah. now that you pointed out. Um, so I think that's kind of how it kind of takes foothold. Now it is still primarily located in Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. like you said Japan, Thailand, parts of China, um, kind of go out from there. Um, but it has found its way in, in influence in various parts of the world kind of throughout. Yeah. So now that we kind of have at least um, a basic understanding of kind of its history and spread and, and kind of a basic, basic understanding of why it was appealing, um, let's kind of start getting into kind of the more actual religious aspects. So kind of going off of the Four Noble Truths, um, kind of let's, let's keep digging into it. Yeah, exactly. So like we talked about suffering, desire. Um, so the big theme of reaching enlightenment, that's the kind of end of desire, um, is to follow this path. It's called the Eightfold Path. It's a lot of times more of a wheel than like kind of a straight path because it's all these things you're kind of doing at the same time. So um, this path is to have uh, a right view. So the first thing is to accept these Four Noble Truths, right? A right understanding of the world. Life is suffering, you know, understand the world as it is. Um, second is to have a right thought. So you're thinking as you should in accordance with that. You're having thoughts that lead to a contentment, lead away from these desires. Right speech, so again, you're talking in a way that is in line, that is moral and good. Right action, so the things you're actually doing are proper. Right livelihood, you're doing a, a you're spending your time with a livelihood that is fair, honest, helpful. Um, again, in alignment with all of these teachings. Right effort, and so you're you're putting in the effort to have the right thoughts, and you're pushing out bad thoughts. And so when you have these thoughts that come in, you have the acknowledgement to push them out. All right, so then you have um, right mindfulness, which is kind of paying full attention to every moment. And yeah. so part of those desires are, I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking about all these things I don't have, instead of focusing on where am I, what am I doing, mm -hmm. what's around me. And so this is where a practice like yoga comes into play, which is a big theme in a lot of these Eastern faiths, and especially Buddhism. Um, it's, a, it's a mindfulness, it's a concentration on one's body and just kind of how one's feeling. And so it's trying to push away these, these thoughts and these anxieties, these desires, kind of be mindful of where am I, what moment am I living in, how can I kind of fully be present yeah. in that experience. And then finally, right concentration. Um, so this is, again, focusing on the right things, um, concentrating on kind of, it's built off that mindfulness, um, but it's focusing on kind of one thing without distraction. And so not allowing yourself to kind of be pulled in all places, but concentrating on whatever you're doing. Um, yeah, that's kind of the, the general eight things. And again, they all play into each other. And this yeah. is where you know the right things, you think the right things, you say the right things, you do the right things, you work at the right things. They kind of all just play in top of one another. Yeah, so, um, and we, we're, we're going to keep kind of digging into this, but um, just the, the first thing that kind of strikes me going off of that is there does seem to be a much greater focus in Buddhism on the self yeah. than um, we see in Christianity. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's so much, there is a lot of emphasis on Take care of your, you know, yourself, enlighten yourself. And there is a place for helping others reach enlightenment, but there is kind of a big focus on being aware, kind of being present, um, first and foremost, 
or the Christian lens would probably first and foremost point you outward. There has to be an awareness of the self, but it's not a huge priority in the same way yeah. as maybe Buddhism. I just want to touch on that because I do feel like, you know, as Christians, most of what we've talked about so far, we'd say, yeah, you know, we pretty much agree with that. Yeah. So I, th- I do think that is one point of, of difference to yeah. kind of touch on is it is, is Buddhism does have a much bigger focus on the self, whereas, you know, Christianity is much more of a focus outside of yourself. Yeah. Um, when I think where that highlights too is even in something like mindfulness, a lot of times kind of Buddhist yoga or mindfulness, and sometimes we even do this with our own mindfulness, is a, a huge concentration on how am I feeling, how am I thinking, and again, those are things to be aware of, and, and sometimes you can be feeling anxiety, and once you can kind of name where that's coming from, it can help kind of relieve yeah. it. Um, in the Christian tradition, meditation has been a huge emphasis for 2,000 years, but Christian meditation has always been that the concentration and focus is on kind of the Word of God. So maybe you read a scripture passage and you meditate on it, you think about it, you pray about it. Yeah. Um, maybe you heard a sermon or there's a, a Christian hymn or a song that you focus on. So the concentration is not so much on yourself as something God has said or done. And then that is part of what shapes and forms you as a Christian yeah. is because those are the things you're focusing on. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a, a solid distinction there. Um, but uh, so to kind of continue on, um, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about um, Um, so obviously we have the four noble truths. Um, mm-hmm. We have um, kind of the eightfold path. Is this a part of a holy book? Um, you know, how does the literature of Buddhism? You know, can you kind of speak to that at all? Yeah, not as much. I do think that there are probably some texts. Um, there's no like Buddhist Bible, probably in the same way. So mm-hmm. some of these teachings have been kind of verbally passed down, and, and I think they have been recorded. I'll admit that I'm not as familiar with um, the text as much as kind of the oral tradition, sure. Um, which again makes sense if the Buddha goes around telling people this and they tell people, um, which also would explain why you have such a variation because you don't have kind of a capturing of like this is it in one book or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know the, the books as much, um, but there are definitely kind of beliefs beyond just the Four Noble Truths. So yeah. we talked about this last time with Hinduism, but Buddhists would also believe in karma. Um, so the idea that what you do has consequences and that there's this cycle of rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, so unlike just the caste system in Hinduism and Buddhism, you might come back as a different part of creation, um, so to say, based on your karma, how you treat other people. Um, I'd read this quote, and I, I forgot who said it, but a Buddhist might say something like this, and this was, I think, a Buddhist or a Buddhist scholar, said, if you want to know about your past life, look at your body. Mm-hmm. If you want to know about your future life, look at your present mind. So the idea being, if you want to know how you've lived in the past, look at kind of how you are now. Yeah. And if you want to know where you're going, think about your mind. Are you thinking the right things? Are you um, being content? Are you living according to the Four Noble Truths? Um, so there's kind of that same cycle of rebirth that goes on uh, based off this karma that is the idea of, it's almost like gravity, that mm-hmm. every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If, yeah. if you're bad and you treat people wrongly, you're not content, it's going to have negative consequences. And if you treat people well in future lives, it'll play out positively. Yeah. And this is one of the, the, the tough things with Buddhism, too, is, you know, the, my, my, my gut follow-up question was going to be, okay, well, so what is their understanding of, you know, what kind of entity or being is enforcing this kind of karmic rules? Hmm. The problem with Buddhism is there's a lot of answers to that question, depending <laughs> on who you ask. 
Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, if you do have something to kind of share on that front, you know, kind of a, their spirit, their understanding of the spiritual side of things, I know that can get really messy, but, um, as you know, if you get the best that you can for me. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there, there's such a diversity. So there are a lot of Buddhists who would, they would not say that there's any gods, like as yeah. we understand them. There are Buddhists who do believe that there are gods, um, that maybe that's part of how you might come back is in different kind of stages um, even of divinity, possibly, and just like you could come back as a, a lesser creature, you could come back as a greater creature. Um, and so there's kind of a range of that. There's also branches that would believe in um, people called bodhisattvas um, who have reached um, enlightenment and could go on to nirvana, which I'll touch on in a second. But um, these are people who have decided, even though I've reached enlightenment, I'm going to kind of hang around to mm -hmm. help other people reach enlightenment. So somebody might pray in certain sections of Buddhism, not everyone would believe this, um, they might pray to these bodhisattvas for help to reach enlightenment, almost like a Catholic might pray to a saint yeah, for help in a yeah. way. Like these are people who have gone before, who have done it right, who are going to ask for help. And so I don't think any Buddhist would say that there's like kind of one divine being. Like I said, it's almost like a, a gravity, like this is just the way the universe is. Yeah. It's not like anyone's like keeping tabs. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's almost like a, just a more of a manifestation of nature rather than kind of a conscientious creator. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, like we said, you know, there's there's um, certain aspects of Buddhism that include uh, ancestor worship. There's certain mm -hmm. aspects of uh, Buddhism that we talked about, uh, you know, are a little bit almost entirely removed from a spiritual sense. And it's almost entirely just a stoic, uh, yeah, kind of just a stoic lifestyle. Um, but uh you, you brought up Nirvana. Yeah. Um, so um, kind of assuming that we're talking about more of the religious spiritual aspect, kind of talk to me a little bit about what that means. Um, obviously, that's uh, this is a, a very bad comparison, but it's, you know, if you're going to make a very bad comparison, it's sure. kind of our heaven. It's, it's kind of an end point. So Correct. can you tell me a little bit more about that? No, you're right. It is kind of like the goal where um, for a lot of Christians, it's like, oh, I want to get to heaven. Um, I, the key difference being that nirvana is not necessarily a place. It's a state of mind. It's being. And so if you have this cycle of rebirth, um, you're going to keep going through this cycle until you um, reach enlightenment. And that's kind of the breaking out and you reach nirvana. Um, it's kind of like when we talk about Hinduism, there's kind of this cycle. And the goal is to live in a way where you kind of break free of this and you return to the, the universal oneness. Yeah. Nirvana is very similar in that um, you're trying to live in a way, contentment, enlightenment, that you break free of the cycle. Um, I think the, the word nirvana, even of itself, means kind of like to bow out. It's kind of to break free. Yeah. Um, so to reach nirvana is to enlighten in a way that, all right, cool, I'm done with this kind of rebirth because I, I've kind of figured it out. I've kind mm -hmm. of, I've lived rightly. I understand the truth. I've become enlightened. Um, that I, I, I walked the path and now I'm, I'm somewhere else. And now I'm not somewhere else, again, because it's not a place. It's kind of just a, a freedom from this. Again, this is where... As Westerners, you have to kind of break down the, the idea of the individual a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard for us to con conceptualize the same way. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of a, um, now that we have the context, we'll be kind of going into the differences. But I think that's kind of a good place to operate when you're kind of thinking about any of these religious differences is, um, you know, even, a, even an example much closer to home. Most Americans, I don't think, understand um, why so many English people love the Queen so much, yeah, and why they were so upset when she passed away. You know, yeah. I, have, I have no problem with the Queen, but I think a lot of Americans 
didn't really get where that uh, almost fervor comes from. Um, I think it's it, the same thing kind of applies, especially to Eastern religions where, um, like you said, the, I think it last week, your baseline can just kind of be, well, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and it is weird uh, to you, but you don't have any better chance of understanding it that way. And I think you do have to kind of say there are certain aspects of these religions that I just don't get because I don't have the frame of, of context yeah. that um, these other these other people do. Kind of same same reason like with the queen. You don't have the frame of understanding. And um, so that's, again, why we may give an incomplete picture of these religions. Um, we're trying our best. But um, I, I definitely think that's um, a good place of understanding, even as we go into the future weeks and we're talking about sects of our own, our own religion that we wouldn't kind of view as mainstream Christianity. Um, kind of the same thing applies. Is a lot of times these are religions specific to areas that you don't have the frame of context for because you weren't from that spot. 100%. Um, Glad you pointed that out. Cause yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely definitely important to know. Um, but with all that said, um, kind of now that we have kind of a baseline understanding of Buddhism, uh, I wanted to get into kind of the main differences because our our question is: yeah. aren't aren't all religions basically the same? I think a lot of people who have listened to this, a lot of the stuff that we would have said, they'd say, "Oh yeah, well I kind of agree with that." So let's um, kind of dive into what these distinctions are. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, like you said, and we said it earlier, I want to highlight the outset. Buddhism is a fascinating one because it kind of stems from just a careful look at the world. And that's where yeah. there's a lot of things where even as Christians, we can affirm and say, yeah, you know, pretty spot on. I mean, the New Testament even says one of the reasons that you um, quarrel and get angry is because you covet what you don't have, right? Yeah. You want things that you don't have, and so you get all worked up and you sin about it, you mm -hmm. know? Totally get it. Ten Commandments. Do not covet your neighbor's house. His their spouse, you know, they're all this stuff. And so there, there really is a lot of resonance where we can say, yeah, that's actually a really good observation. And we can kind of, um, affirm that. Yeah. Um, now on the, on the other side, like you said, differences, obviously, again, as Christians, we're always going to come back to our faith is founded on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we, we believe in. And so we believe that salvation comes only through faith in Jesus Christ, the confession, Jesus is Lord, all of that. And so, um, Buddhism in its kind of normal forms is, is not going to have that. Um, yeah. Now, Buddhism would have reasons to explain. They would say to a Christian, you guys are just, you can't handle suffering, right? It's kind yeah. of, like you're, yeah. you guys can't deal with it, so you made up some nice story about how to get out of it. Oh, one day things will get better when you get to heaven or when yeah. resurrection. Um, but we would say, you know, again, the revelation of Jesus and what he's done, that's what we hinge it on. And so all people, even a Buddhist, still needs to know about Jesus. Yeah. needs to know about his love. Um, what he's done and, and have faith in that. Um, so that's obviously always going to be kind of the main difference um, when you're talking outside of Christianity that we're going to go back to. Yeah. So I think, I think kind of what I'm getting from what you're saying is they get the, um, they get the diagnosis right. They get the prescription wrong. Yeah. The, you know, the, the diagnosis <laughs> of you shouldn't, you shouldn't be coveting and desiring things that you don't have. Um, the world is broken and is full of suffering and you're going to have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but then the prescription of, well, you just need to basically resign yourself from the world and, you know, focus on yourself and focus on making yourself um, not feel these, these things. I think that's the disconnect. So they get, they get the diagnosis right, but the prescription that they get wrong is, is, is seriously lacking something. Yeah. Is it Jesus or is it some sort of change in state in myself? Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because there are a lot of Buddhists who, are, who might be very selfless and sacrificial, but it's, still it's missing the point of 
what's the answer to suffering? It's the one who conquered suffering. It's yeah. the one who suffered and rose again. Um, and that's just, again, outside of Christianity, you're just not going to have that, which is why it's so important to, to be able to proclaim that, that message. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll say too, I mean, when we talk about overlap, I mean, I think Buddhism highlights kind of the whole Christian life. You know, there's, um, in some of our Lutheran hymnals, there's a confession that we do in worship um, where we confess our sins before God and, and before one another. And we confess that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. And so you hear Buddhism and it's like, yeah, part of living rightly, again, we'd take it as a Christian take, not their take, but is to have the right thoughts, to think purely, yeah. it's to speak rightly, it's to do the right things. And so it's not just do these things, it's not just think these things, but it's kind of the whole lived experience. Um, again, realizing that our salvation still comes from what Jesus has done, not what we do, but embodying that kind of whole lifestyle of being in the Word, living the Word, doing the Word, thinking the Word um, is crucial. So again, it's when they, there's a really good observation on like what it means to be human. Again, just the beautiful thing about Christianity is that there wasn't a true solution. Um, well, the true solution was God, and when people weren't getting it, God sent His Son to kind of break in yeah. and say, here it is. Yeah. Follow me. Here's the message. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to figure it out on your own. Like You yeah. can look at the world and you can see all the problems, but you can't find the solution within yourself. You can find it no other place in Jesus. Yeah, I think that. I mean, that speaks exactly to, to what we were saying earlier. Is like you said, you know, they're they're seeing the issue, yeah, and they are trying to solve the problem. But like you said, they're and the Buddha would describe himself this way. They're they're humans, and so they're lacking a key piece of this understanding. Exactly. Yeah, um, but I I do think that of almost all the religions that we have talked about, um, a lot of the thought processes as far as just operating in the world we see a lot more similarities here than a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about so far. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of crossover for what we've talked about, yeah. For sure. Um, cool, did you have any other points that you wanted to make? Yeah, what I wanted to say too, um, this is actually a big picture on other religions, um, but the example quote I'm gonna give speaks to Buddhism specifically. Yeah. Um, but I think it's helpful again to remind ourselves, and, and you hit on this earlier when you talked about we can look at Eastern religions and just write them off as weird, or as Christians, sometimes we think every other faith is full of contradictions and we have, you know, we're the only ones who think logically. Yeah. Um, but I think there's something much bigger going on there. And it's, it goes to the kind of the story that we live by, um, the stories that we've been told. And so there's this beautiful quote by William Willimon. Um, he wrote a book called Shaped by the Bible. Mm -hmm. He's a professor at Duke Divinity School. And he wrote this. He said, a Christian and a Buddhist differ, not because one is sincere and the other is not, mm nor because one is necessarily a better person than the other. We differ because we've listened to different stories, lived our lives by different words. While there may be certain similarities among people of different religions, there will be diff they will be different because their sacred writings are different, because they have attended to different accounts of the way the world is put together. Yeah. And so I think it's a good reminder of not to demonize people, um, but also to make sure that we continue to hear the story of Christianity, um, that we... Yeah live by it. And then also just that we have an understanding so we can confess to other people. Um, I was talking to somebody who's more familiar with Buddhism than I am, and he described it as a perfect sphere. And again, all these other faiths, they have explanations for why Christians exist, just like we have oh, an explanation yeah. for why they exist. Absolutely. And if we just kind of assume that they're dumb or we'll find some contradiction, it's a perfect sphere. Like there's no hole necessarily in it. Um, it's just, it's a different story. And so we need to be able to confess our story. And that's where we rejoice in the fact that faith comes by hearing. And so, oh, yeah. Well, and it's, it's yeah. so dangerous to, um, to kind of flatly, like you said, dismiss it as strange or they don't have, you know, they're full of inconsistencies. Yeah. 
Um, the same way it is uh, for, for politics or anything else is because you, you run the risk of being incapable of defending your own arguments. 100%. You don't, you don't hear what the other side has to say. You never, have the op- you never are, are put in a position where you need to, uh, where you hear the criticisms the other side has of your faith. Yeah. And so when those things can come up, they can totally shatter you. Um, so uh, we definitely want to encourage everyone listening to, you know, be, be proactive in learning about their own faith, but also try to have a full understanding of others because without that you, you can, you can really easily be shaken off of your own positions. You know, how many times you've been talking to a friend or talking to someone about something you think you have a great idea (laughs) of and they throw one sentence out and you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. Yeah. So, you know, you don't want that to be your faith. You don't want that to be your religion and, and you can get trapped that way if you assume that we have everything figured out and those guys have, they, you know, totally they know coolest. nothing. They're evil. Or, yeah. yeah. So I think, um, you, you know, I think that we've definitely pointed out what the differences are here with Buddhism. But I do think, um, you know, fin- after finishing the series on Eastern religions, that's definitely that's definitely important for any Christian believer listening is to to really be educated about your faith, but also be be open to hearing the arguments of others so that you can better defend your own. Yeah. Listen to them and then be willing to when you're, it's your time, confess the Christian story. Yeah. Here's how we understand the world. Um, and by putting that on them, you know, then God gets to work and stir up in their heart what he might do. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone um, at home in, uh, in your car ride, your commute to work, however you're listening or watching. We appreciate so much uh, the clicks. We appreciate so much the views. We love knowing that people care about this and are listening to this topic. So thank you so much. Uh, next week, hopefully, Andrew will be back. So you, <laughs> I will be back behind the camera, um, and uh, we will be back to normal. But we will be continuing this series, I believe, on uh, just some more religions, kind of looking into their differences with our own. So thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.